This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The bus has event data recorders or data collectors. Uh, they will be uh, accessible to us. The latest on the Ottawa bus crash. What caused the driver of a double-decker to plough into a bus shelter, killing three and injuring 23 others? Police are at the scene of a serious crash in Delta between a truck and a CN train. It would cost a family of five $20 to go to Stanley Park on the bus. And why a Vancouver City councillor is pushing to bring in free transit for kids and discounted fares for those on lower incomes. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. We start with some breaking news tonight coming out of Delta, where a freight train has hit a truck. A crash happened at a crossing on 72nd Street near the Boundary Bay Airport this afternoon. The heavily damaged truck landed upside down next to the truck so far. Uh, there's no confirmed information if anyone has died. CN Rail confirms one of its trains was involved and the crossing's lights and warning bells were working at the time of the accident, but there are no train arms there. CN has added their thoughts are with the person impacted and their family. Police say the area is closed to traffic indefinitely. This comes two weeks after an elderly couple was killed in Langley when a CN freight train hit their vehicle. That crash is still being investigated. Well, let's now turn to the investigation that's just been launched into the deadly bus crash in Ottawa. Three people have been killed and nearly two dozen hurt yesterday after a double-decker bus jumped a curb and hit a transit shelter. As Michael Couture now reports, police are saying people shouldn't be jumping to conclusions as the search for answers is going to take time. Well, police say their work on the actual accident scene will wrap up by the end of day. In fact, they've already reopened the street here and the bus has been moved from the impact zone. But they say they are just at the beginning of their investigation to determine exactly why that bus smashed into the shelter during Ottawa's rush hour. It is really hard to see and it's even harder to unsee. The images are hard to shake. Monica Lung was on another bus just behind the one that crashed. Oh my God. Her shock evident as she filmed the scene while passing it. The bus slid into an overhanging shelter, which cut through the upper deck of the vehicle. Lung just can't stop thinking about how she was sitting on a similar double-decker bus in the same seats where the shelter smashed into the upper level. We were just like right behind, and then I was also on a double-decker sitting in probably like the parallel seat to where... Um, that most of the damage was done, so it was really scary. I'm very happy to have been able to come home. The police believe the bus was likely carrying nearly 90 passengers. In all, 23 people were sent to hospital, but only 12 remain. One patient is in critical condition. The driver of the city bus was arrested Friday night, but has been unconditionally released. It's important that uh, the public does not read into the fact that she was arrested. 
uh, and that is the reasons why we arrested our party investigation. We're not going to get into that. Now, there's a lot to look at in this investigation. Police are making an appeal to anyone who has information, pictures, or video of the crash, while they inspect the bus's maintenance records and the vehicle itself. I'm aware that the uh, the bus has event data recorders or data collectors. Uh, they will be uh, accessible to us, and we will take a look at uh, what is on those recorders. Now, police warn this will be a long process as they interview witnesses and gather evidence, but they add... They are just as anxious as anyone else to determine what happened here and why. Mike LeCouture, Global News, Ottawa. In Vancouver, a shuttle bus suddenly caught fire outside City Hall last night. Firefighters quickly put out the flames after the bus caught fire. This was on Camby Street near 12th Avenue at about 11.15 last night. Vancouver Fire and Rescue say the driver noticed smoke coming from the dashboard, then pulled over and evacuated the six passengers before the bus was fully engulfed in flames. There's no word yet on the cause of the fire, but it is believed to be accidental. All persons were able to get out of the uh, bus with no injuries. Uh, from then, the bus uh, flames engulfed the bus. Police were close by. They called the fire in. Fire crews uh, made a quick attack, knocked the flames down, and the fire investigator is currently doing an investigation. In Surrey, a towing business has been destroyed in a suspicious early morning fire. H&R Towing on 124th Street and 83A Avenue now lies in ruins. Firefighters say they were called just before 5 a.m. They found the building on fire, then had to cut through a locked fence in order to gain access to the building. There were a number of small explosions from combustible material inside the building, eventually that building collapsing on itself. There was no one inside, nobody was hurt. The cause is currently being investigated. There were some indications um, by the RCMP that it uh, needed to be investigated, so they held the scene overnight until one of our inspectors could go there. Elsewhere in Surrey, firefighters were also called to a poultry processing facility. This is on King George Boulevard and 73rd Avenue just before midnight. That was because of an ammonia leak. A company was doing work on new detection devices when an alarm went off. All the workers were ordered out, but when fire crews arrived, all but two people were accounted for. Those people were found safely uh, later on. Firefighters in full hazmat gear took samples. They did find any ammonia had since dissipated. Now, it's been nearly 14 years since a Victoria mother went missing. It's believed Belinda Cameron met with foul play. Now, one of her daughters is speaking out for the first time in hopes of generating fresh tips in this cold case. Jill Bennett reports. The search in June of 2005 was to find any clues about the whereabouts of Belinda Cameron. The Vancouver Island woman had disappeared, last seen in May of that year at the Susquehannock Shoppers Drug Mart. Her daughters, now adults, are seeking answers. Cameron is the subject of this new Crime Stoppers video. Investigators are hoping it will help jog someone's memory. It's believed Cameron was a victim of foul play. We still haven't moved on because we don't have any answers. Um... So if you knew her or any information around that time, you could come forward so my family can move on and um, 
We just really miss her, so. Johnson and her sister grew up in foster care, but they have fond memories of their mother, saying she gave them up knowing they would have a better life as she struggled with mental illness and addiction. She was always laughing and smiling, so I think that's where me and my sister get it from. I just remember, like, at one of her apartments in Esquimalt, we'd always go to the park, um, and we she would take us on walks and just spending time at the house with our with her dad. I remember her playing with us all the time. It was almost a month from the time Cameron was last seen in 2005 until she was reported missing. Her disability check was found in her apartment uncashed. It was already a three-week uh, time period there where really nobody uh, that we know of seen or had seen or heard from her. I told myself she ran away for the first couple of years, but it didn't really make sense. So now I'm kind of thinking it was foul play. Cameron would be 55 years old now. It's hoped the renewed calls for information will help solve the case. Jill Bennett, Global News. Vancouver police are asking for your help tonight to help find a wanted federal offender who failed to return to his halfway house. 47-year-old Floyd Quincy Herbert is serving a three-year sentence for a number of crimes, including sexual assault. Herbert is of mixed race, of Métis and black descent. He is 5 feet 10 and weighs 220 pounds. Short curly hair, which is typically pulled back and covered with a dark head wrap or baseball cap. He was last seen with a short, full beard, wearing a black black zip-up jacket with a blue hoodie underneath, black pants and black sneakers. If you do recognise this man, please do call 911 right away. Now, on Tuesday, Vancouver City Council is set to vote on whether to support a campaign for free transit. It's a motion from co-councillor Jean Swanson. She's proposing kids get to ride for free and there are discounts for those on low incomes. Nadia Stewart reports. For some in Metro Vancouver, a ride on the bus or SkyTrain simply isn't in the budget. We have charities and nonprofits that have to spend thousands of dollars just to get people in the door to access basic services. Vivica Ellis is the lead organizer behind the All On Board campaign, a movement aimed at making transit free for children and youth under 18 and introducing a monthly pass system where the rate is determined by the rider's income. The campaign, launched by the BC Poverty Reduction Coalition, is also calling for the end of ticketing for fare evasion, community service instead of fines, and the unlinking of fare evasion from ICBC, something Ellis says disproportionately affects youth in care. We've uncovered at least 11 programs in Metro Van- in Vancouver itself where charities pay off TransLink debt. Ellis says Vancouver and cities across the metro area are beginning to fall behind other cities on the West Coast. Seattle and Portland both have affordable fare structures in place. Now major cities in Canada are also doing the same. Cope City Councillor Jean Swanson plans to introduce a motion Tuesday with an eye to have something similar in Vancouver. This is just the first step. It's not just council. We have to convince. We have to convince TransLink. We have to convince the province. A step in the right direction, transit users say. We can barely get around because we can't afford to pay like $4 for the both of us. Making transit free would make the city more accessible for everyone. Asking kids who are under 18 who are probably not going to pay anyway, asking parents to give them money, it's taking them out of their pockets, they're going to end up spending on it on who knows what. So, yeah, free transit under 18, why not? 
if Swanson's motion is approved. Look for this to be a topic of discussion at two conventions this year, the Lower Mainland Government Association and the Union of BC Municipalities. Adios, Dork Global News. We're hearing tonight from nervous business owners in White Rock who are concerned about the impact of last month's windstorm to their bottom lines. As Julia Foy now reports, they are hoping public support is going to help them keep their doors open. Samantha McQuaid is ready for customers at Primo's Mexican Grill in White Rock. But getting people in the door hasn't been easy. It has been very trying. I don't think any business owner down here would tell you different. It has been absolutely impossible. We first visited Primo's when they were about to open two years ago. It was at a time when skyrocketing rents put many people out of business. Since then, there has been delays in construction of a new memorial park, a reduction in area parking, and then the December 20th storm. We just finally think it's almost over. And now her beer breaks down. I don't understand how this has all happened this year. The White Rock Business Improvement Association is asking the city for help in making up for lost revenue. We're hoping that they consider waiving the patio fees for White Rock restaurants in 2019 and perhaps offer free parking uh, in the off-season. But for the next few months, the pier, much of the promenade, plus several additional parking spaces will all be closed due to storm cleanup, making it even more challenging to come to the community. I can barely find parking today. <laughs> we almost actually just drove through and left. Sunshine and warm temperatures did bring some people to the Marine Drive area, but they could use a lot more. All the restaurants are really just, we all need one another, so we're all banding together. Yeah, just be patient with us. No, we're really trying our best. City Council will consider the BIA's request on Monday night. Please come and support the restaurants on Marine Drive. The city will be looking at reducing some of those parking fees, maybe even possibly free for a couple of months, because, you know, extraordinary times, extraordinary measures. Julia Foy, Global News. A rally in support of a northern BC First Nation attracted a crowd of hundreds in Vancouver today. Demonstrators met at Victory Square. They marched down East Hastings Street towards Main Street where that uh, traffic was blocked and then they gave speeches. The activists marching in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en Nation hereditary chiefs who are opposed to an LNG pipeline through their territory in northern BC. Husky Energy is looking to get out of retailing gas after 80 years in the business. The Calgary-based oil sands producer says it's launching a strategic review that could result in selling its retail and commercial fuels business, as well as a refinery in Prince George. Husky has more than 500 service stations across Canada. Dan McTeague from GasBuddy.com says the retail industry for gasoline is a cutthroat environment. The fact is that we're looking at uh, very, very thin margins for a good number of stations. If you go to, you know, Regina, Calgary, Edmonton, uh, Winnipeg, uh, you know, it's quite often the case where the price at which gasoline is being sold, in other words, retailed, is sometimes, in fact, lower than what they're buying for it at wholesale. So there's really uh, a very, very cutthroat comp competitive environment on the last 10 cents a litre. 
Welcome back. Well, the Saudi teen who fled from her family in Saudi Arabia and was granted asylum in Canada has arrived in Toronto today. Rahafa Al-Kanun posted this footage as her flight from South Korea landed at Pearson International Airport this morning. Her journey to Canada coming after she launched an incredible social media campaign that may have saved her life. Hey, right over here. Right over here. After flying halfway around the world, 18-year-old Rahaf Al-Kanan stepped onto Canadian soil for the first time. Greeted by dozens of cameras and reporters, Canada's Minister of Foreign Affairs said the Saudi Arabian refugee was too exhausted to speak. She's had a very long and tiring journey, and so she would prefer not to take questions. The teen's journey began when she fled her family while visiting Kuwait. Flying to Bangkok, Thailand, Elkanon barricaded herself in her hotel room, where she launched a Twitter campaign. I'm still in the room. The young woman says she feared for her life, posting about the physical abuse she says she endured at the hands of her father, adding she would be killed if she returned to Saudi Arabia. Her online story capturing the world and grabbing the attention of the United Nations. We have accepted uh, the UN's request uh, that we uh, grant her asylum. An invite extended Friday by Justin Trudeau himself. When matters come to social media or when it comes to uh, publicity, it seems that immigration is a lot more uh, quick to respond. Toronto immigration lawyer Taina Vialil-Kalatu says the rare move has her concern for asylum seekers who don't have the same notoriety. What about the millions of other refugees around the world? And what about the hundreds of thousands of refugees currently in Canada waiting to hear on their process? Where we can save a single person, where we can save a single woman, that's a good thing to do. Others worry this will only heighten tensions between Canada and an already fickle Saudi government. They'll see this as yet another example of our interference, quote-unquote, in their internal affairs. Refusing to comment on the potential diplomatic effects, Freeland focused on Elkanon's welcome. Very brave young woman who went through a lot, and she is now going to go to her new home. All smiles, safe, heading towards a new life as a Canadian. Jamie Marocker, Global News. Two firefighters and a Spanish tourist have been killed in a blast at a bakery in Paris. A woman frantically shouted for help as first responders arrived. The blast gutting the ground floor and rocking buildings hundreds of metres away. It's believed a gas leak caused the explosion. Well, the White House is condemning a New York Times report that suggests the FBI opened an inquiry into whether President Donald Trump was working for Russia. The paper is reporting that it was the president's behavior after he fired FBI Director James Comey that led them to investigate. In a series of tweets this morning, President Trump defended himself against the New York Times report, which claimed the FBI investigated whether the president was a Russian asset or potential threat against American security after he fired FBI Director James Comey in May of 2017. CBS News has not independently confirmed that report. I was going to fire Comey. My decision... But the New York Times says it was President Trump's own public statements connecting the Comey firing to Russia, which raised concern among agents. When I decided to just do it, I said to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made up story. The president insisted today his, quote, firing of James Comey was a great day for America. Absolutely ludicrous. 
In an interview airing tomorrow on Face the Nation, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said he rejects the New York Times allegation. The idea that's contained in the New York Times story that President Trump was a threat to American national security is, is silly on its face and not worthy of a response. From the White House, Press Secretary Sarah Sanders called the Times claim absurd and said Comey is a disgraced partisan hack. The former FBI director sent this tweet today quoting President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, quote, judge me by the enemies I have made. Now, this next story is not for the faint-hearted. A little warning for you. Have a look at this. A dozen people in Japan going bungee jumping ahead of a popular coming-of-age ceremony. Uh, those that took part jumped from a bridge more than 90 metres tall wearing a kimono. It's part of the tradition and the young adults then have to swear they will live vigorously. And a zoo in western India has welcomed a new baby, a baby hippopotamus. The birth has created a wave of excitement among the staff there who expect the baby to attract lots of visitors. The calf's sex isn't known yet, and that's because the mother won't let anyone near it so far. When they, ident uh, they do identify its gender, apparently they're holding a very special naming ceremony. So... Um Suggestions, please. I don't know what you would call it. Yeah, and they should Henry, have a gender yeah. reveal. You know how everybody's oh, doing yeah, that. Have one of those. Pink, if it's a girl. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, what? They missed that completely. So Barry and Kasha are here. <laughs> of course, we'll get to sport in okay. just a second. Uh, but the weather, I thought it was a really nice day today, It's Kasha. been really beautiful. Yeah almost across the entire province. So while our ridge of high pressure it continues to build, it does mean a break from the active weather for some time, so that's great if you don't like the rain or the snow, but it does mean the development of fog. In some places it could be troublesome. We've seen that earlier this morning in Kelowna with flights being, um, with uh, delays for instance. So I'll let you know where we're expecting the heaviest fog through the overnight and who's gonna be picking up a couple centimeters of snow. Oh, okay, mm. uh, exciting stuff. Beat that then, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't possibly. Uh, no, but we did have NFL playoffs, uh, Colts and Chiefs. Kansas City had uh, one of the most dynamic teams during the season. Could they keep it going today in the playoffs? We'll show you highlights of that. And uh, some good news on the injury front with uh, Elias Pettersson. Looks like he's on his way back from uh, that knee injury. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hopefully pretty. Welcome back. Well, some good news for two snowboarders tonight who are safe after being rescued off the backside of Big White last night. The pair called Ski Patrol around four in the afternoon after getting lost out of bounds at the resort near Kelowna. Central Okanagan Search and Rescue sent 13 members, seven of them on snowmobiles. It is believed the snowboarders were in the backcountry near Gem Lake. Now, rescuers got within half a kilometre before thick forest and deep snow forced a small smaller team then uh, to carry on with this rescue on snowshoes. The pair were found just before midnight. Even though they went out of bounds, searchers did praise them for calling ski patrol immediately and staying put instead of trying to get themselves out.
Staying in the Okanagan, field trips and hot lunches are now in jeopardy at some elementary schools in Kelowna. This is after the bank accounts of two different parent advisory accounts were drained. Jules Knox has more on the alleged theft and what the school board is now doing about it. As police continue to investigate the alleged embezzlement of $20,000 from two different Okanagan Parent Advisory Councils, Glen Rosa and South Rutland Elementary Schools, the Board of Education says it doesn't want to see field trips or other PAC-funded programs cancelled, so it's willing to offer temporary funding as needed. So this is not saying, don't worry, we'll cover it for you. This is saying, we don't want the students to suffer, so don't worry about cancelling anything because we will give you a, a, a loan. The Board of Education has very little legal authority over parent advisory councils, but it says its staff is happy to look over a PAC's financial statements from time to time if requested. Board of Education Chairperson Moira Baxter says many parent advisory councils have bylaws dating back to 1989 when the school act was rewritten and she's urging parent advisory councils to update their rules. They always have two people counting money. They never pre-sign checks, which is always a temptation to save time. That they are very careful about providing uh, good reports to parent advisory council uh, meetings. The two alleged embezzlements aren't believed to be related and police have now been investigating the first one at Glen Rosa Elementary for at least four months. These things happen, but what we can do is say we're going to do everything we can to make it really difficult for somebody to do this. No charges have yet been laid and in the meantime, officials are hoping parent advisory councils will learn from others' mistakes and keep a close eye on those books. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. In health matters tonight, there have been a lot of studies on how Facebook might be damaging our mental health. Now there's a new study that says it could be making us physically ill too. Researchers at the University of Surrey in the UK found that people who spent time looking at other people's Facebook profiles felt real physical symptoms such as sleep problems, muscle tension and weight change. Researchers interviewed 165 Facebook users and found people who were more likely to compare themselves to others felt more aware of physical ailments. And uh, we may know why some people like to crack open a cold one during cold winter days. Researchers from the University of Pittsburgh uh, were looking at drinking behaviour and climate data from communities around the US. They found that cities with colder temperatures and less sunlight had higher rates of alcohol consumption. More people obviously tend to want to stay inside when the weather is cold. The shorter days also may lead to to people feeling more depressed. Drinking alcohol could also help a person uh, feel warm because it increases the flow of blood to the skin. Experts are hoping that cities can use this information to help create better programs to end alcohol addiction. Welcome back. In the U.S., a deadly winter storm is blasting snow and ice in a 1,400-mile stretch of the Central Plains at mid-Atlantic coast. At least seven people have been killed on slippery roads from Missouri, Kansas and Indiana. This is the biggest winter storm to slam the St. Louis area in five years, with nearly a foot of snow falling since late Friday. Across the plains, the wintry mess shut down roadways, creating dangerous icy conditions. The Missouri State Highway Patrol says there have been more than 175 accidents. Some drivers were left stranded in their vehicles for several hours, forced to dig themselves out. 
Our biggest problem in this storm has been the intensity when it came down so intensely and and uh, you know the roads got slick fast and we and it's impossible for us to keep up. Tractor trailers struggling to maneuver up hills on Interstate 44 during the storm backed up traffic for miles yesterday, preventing plows from treating roads. And it's not just the highways. This American Eagle jet slid off the runway while taxiing to the gate at Columbia Regional Airport. 80 people were on board at the time. There were no reports of injuries. As the storm moves east, conditions are expected to get worse. More than 65 million people are under winter storm warnings. Just incredible. Before we get to Kasha and our forecast tonight, I want to show you this impressive cloud. Now, this was captured on camera in Argentina. Just take a look at this. Uh, a lot of people taking to social media uh, to share images of this spectacular sky as this front advanced to intense overcast. Uh, the National Weather Service there issuing a warning for strong winds after this unusual cloud front. Uh, that is incredible. Kasha, you, I don't know. I I've never it. seen anything like that. Ooh, the weather nerd in me is just loving it's, it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> super that is a shelf cloud, but it looks like a double, triple shelf cloud. Very cool. You get that with big thunderstorms. Thank you for uh, that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but here at home, as far as our cloud situation goes, today we were sopped in the fog, especially at Valley Bottoms, Vernon, was blanketed this morning. Thanks to Kyle for sharing this and what's been going on. Oh, here's another great shot. Our friend Sandra, she says she calls Okanagan Lake Lost Lake this morning. Yeah, it was. So essentially what happens with the ridge of high pressure, you do have warmer temperatures aloft, clear skies, light winds, and then you need to have cooler temperatures near the bottom. You can see surface temperature is much cooler, of course, because the heat that we generated through the day, it escapes at the up through the upper atmosphere. Then you need to have a difference between your temperature and your dew point of 2.5 degrees or less, and that's when your valley fog produces, it develops. And we're going to be seeing that through the Okanagan, through the overnight tonight again, even Metro Vancouver and then further east. And I think the fog could be sticking around uh, in places like the Kootenai Boundary region. We'll talk about that in a moment. But Steveston, you know, we didn't see the fog this morning. Sherry brings us this gorgeous shot and a shot of White Rock earlier today. That wasn't fail mount, by the way. Okay, right now, what's happening? We are looking at temperatures sitting at six. Our overnight low will be around two degrees, so much like it was yesterday. Uh, and we are watching some showers. They continue to move in on Vancouver Island. We're starting to see them along uh, the Sunshine Coast as well. And it continues to advance north. So I know the Central Coast, the North Coast, seeing the showers inland sections as well. And we're really going to see the showers moving. Well, actually, it's the, the snow it's going to be moving moving further east through the day today. Ridge of high pressure continues to build, and that's going to be thwarting the active weather away, so that means calm conditions for some time. Again, except for coastal sections today and tomorrow, but you're clearing out as well. Have a look at your long-range forecast. So the BC piece, we are looking at mostly cloudy skies, snow through the morning, because we are going to be picking up about two centimeters of snow through the overnight. Whitehorse, extremely cold. Look at this, overnight low of uh, minus 22. It's going to be minus 14 through the day, and a sun cloud mix. Morning showers still possible for you in the north coast and then cloudy conditions on your Monday. But for the caribou in the central interior, we have a sun cloud mix. Temperatures above seasonal. We're usually at minus six. We're at a nice, comfortable, balmy two degrees, if you will. Three for you in the Columbia and the Kootenai region. Nelson Trail. Morning cloudy conditions. We're looking at sunnier conditions over higher terrain and eventually your cloud cover will lift at the valley bottom level. Fog patches developing overnight. Also for you 
afternoon. The Thompson Okanagan, two degrees. We are expecting a sun cloud mix into the afternoon. Clearing trend for you and Whistler for your Sunday in a daytime high of four. Very nice forecast, a stellar one as well. Up and down the island, 11 degrees for the city of Victoria. Have a look at this long-range forecast. Sonia, you can't complain about this. Not Plenty at all. I know. That's amazing. Yeah, We're still nice. in That's crazy. In January. Thank you very much for that, Kasha. All right, welcome back. Let's get all your sport now with Barry. All right, you've been waiting for it all day, Sonia. I have. NFL I've been highlights. A week, you have not had a yes. chance uh, to see. They're coming right up Very right exciting. now. Love's gridiron. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Patrick Mahomes uh, burst onto the scene this year in the NFL, taking the reins in uh, Kansas City as their starting quarterback. He promptly threw for over 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns this year. The 50 TDs led the NFL, and it was the second most all-time in a single season ever, only behind Peyton Manning's 55. Mahomes is the leading MVP candidate, but that also adds extra pressure to a Chiefs team that has failed miserably at home in the playoffs in recent years. KC, despite one of the most raucous stadium environments in the league, has not won a playoff home game since 1993, two years before Patrick Mahomes was even born. Wind-starved crowd at Arrowhead Stadium, but Mahomes uh, showing no signs of nerves in his first NFL playoff start. Hits the speedy Sammy Watkins over the middle in the first. Watkins does the rest, a 34-yard gain deep into Colts territory. And then on the next play, Damian Williams from 10 yards out picks his way through that Colt defense and scores the touchdown. Nice start for Kansas City, up 7-0. Next drive, more of the same. This time it is Tyreek Hill takes the pitch and gets some room and just keeps on going all the way to the end zone. 36-yard touchdown. Chiefs dominating up 14-0. First quarter yards, 185 for the Chiefs, 12 for the Colts. Indy still without a first down late in the half, but then this happens. They block the punt, recovered in the end zone by Zach Pascal. A huge play. The Colts back in it. Down 10 at 17-7, but Mahomes and the Chiefs respond. The 23-year-old diving for the pylon gets in for the touchdown. 24-7 Chiefs, 17 first downs to zero at that point. How bad is it for the Colts? Even Adam Venateria, the uh, dependable veteran, hits the upright on the field goal. 23-yarder, the shortest miss of his career, 24-7 at the half. Third quarter, Colts need some big plays. Their beat defense does come up with this forced fumble. They recover. they got to turn it into points. But Andrew Luck, who had led the Colts to 10 wins in their last 11 games, gets sacked. He fumbles. Chiefs recover. Just a miserable day all around for Indianapolis. The Chiefs break the curse. First home playoff win in 26 years. 31-13 the final. They'll host the Patriots or Chargers in the AFC Championship next Sunday. Also tonight in the NFC, Cowboys and Rams from L.A. First quarter, 3-0 Rams. But Dallas responds after converting a short fourth down gamble. Dak Prescott to Amari Cooper. Boy, what a find he has been getting from uh, him from Oakland earlier in the season. 29-yard TD. Cowboys up 7-3. But the ground game of the Rams chewing up the Cowboy defense. C.J. Anderson down to the one-yard line would punch it in on the next play for the touchdown. And then Todd Gurley. Oh, yeah, him. He's injured late in the season, rested up, but looks in fine form here. 35 yards for the touchdown, 160-plus yards on the ground already for the Rams, who lead 27 late in the first half. 
Two more NFL playoff games tomorrow, Eagles and Saints from New Orleans. And the early game has the Patriots and Chargers. New England, despite showing less dominance than we're used to seeing, still clinched a first-round bye. The Chargers are coming off a win at Baltimore. It features a great matchup at quarterback, Tom Brady versus Phillip Rivers. Our future Hall of Famer, Chanel, breaks it all down in the red zone. Wildcard weekend lived up to the hype as three underdog road teams all pulled off the upset. So can that trend continue into the divisional round? History says yes, because in the last 10 years, 14 teams have pulled off the upset win in this round. The Patriots are back in a familiar spot, hosting a playoff game after a bye week. Surprisingly, the Patriots were solid rushing the ball this season. Number five, averaging 127 yards a game. LA was ninth best at stopping the run. Now, Tom Brady threw for 29 touchdowns, but faces a solid secondary, looking to shut down the receiving core. In the last three games of the regular season, the defense was fabulous. Six sacks, four interceptions, and only surrendered 32 combined points in that stretch. But LA is hot, winning 12 of 14, and Phillip Rivers and Melvin Gordon are coming off impressive performances last week. Now, New England is favored by four and haven't lost at home since October of 2017 and haven't lost a home playoff date in six years. The Chargers defense has been on fire. In the last two games, LA has two interceptions, eight sacks, including seven last week versus Baltimore, and has allowed just 26 combined points. But now they face Tom Brady and the Patriots, a side that averaged 27 points a game, fourth most during the regular season. Now, Phillip Rivers has been money. He was number three, averaging almost nine yards a pass. New England was ranked 22nd against the pass. Now, a couple of interesting stats here. The Chargers are 8-1 on the road this season, but 0-7 versus Tom Brady and the Patriots. Welcome back. Elias Pettersson won't play tomorrow for the Canucks against the Panthers at Rogers Arena, but the 20-year-old Swede did skate today on his own for the first time since spraining his knee last Thursday. If all goes well, he could possibly play Wednesday at home against the Oilers. Meanwhile, tomorrow's 4 o'clock start against the Panthers could be the final appearance in Vancouver for Roberto Luongo. The 39-year-old has battled injuries this year. He's played just 22 of the Panthers' 43 games, but he is expected to start tomorrow against the Canucks. NHL tonight, Avalanche and Habs from Montreal. Colorado starting the night just three points up on the Canucks in the wild card standings. Third period, former Vancouver Giant doing the Canucks a favor. Brett Kulak, shorthanded goal there, just his second of the year. Later in the third, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, the Finnish rookie on the one-time pass, will uh, put it away. 2-0 Habs, they had an empty netter, 3-0 the final. Colorado, 3-10-3 in their last 16, struggling big time. Meanwhile, Bruins and Leafs looking very much to be yet another first-round playoff match with uh, Tampa running away with the division title. Second period tied at one. How about that passing on the Leaf power play? Mitch Marner walks in and wires it. Top shelf on Tuka Rask, 2-1 Leafs, but Boston tied it up. And then with just a few seconds to go in the second, Leafs give it away deep in their own zone. David Pasternak with his 26th past Michael Hutchinson, and that turned out to be the game winner. Boston edges Toronto 3-2. 
Third round of the Sony Open from beautiful Honolulu. Five Canadians made the cut, three from B.C. Merritt's Roger Sloan making a run to the top of the leaderboard. Already four under on his front side today. Second shot here on the par five ninth from 210. And that's a great shot, skipping it past the flag about 26 feet away for Eagle. His eagle attempt right on track, but just leaves it about six inches short. He would get to 11 under, tied for fourth at one point, but he slipped back. He's at nine under playing the 18th hole right now. Second round leader Matt Kuchar with his tee shot on the par three seventh. And this is well judged to three feet. He would make the birdie. He's got a two shot lead right now at 18 under. Adam Svensson of Surrey finished at five under. Adam Hadwin still on course. He is at two under. World Cup bobsled from Germany, Summerland, B.C.'s Justin Cripps and his brakeman Cam Stones had the fastest opening run. They were the final sled down the track in run two, trying to catch the Germans, Francesco Friedrich. Cripps and Friedrich have a history. They tied for the gold in the two-man at the Olympics last February. Friedrich wins this battle by 11 one-hundredths, but another silver for Cripps, his second of the World Cup season. EPL Saturday, Jurgen Klopp and front-running Liverpool visiting Brighton today. Liverpool coming off their first loss of the season to Man City nine days ago. Didn't do much today, but Mo Salah draws the penalty after this takedown in the box. So he will step up and drill home his 14th of the EPL season as Liverpool hang on to beat Brighton 1-0. The Reds now seven points up on Man City. City plays Monday against Wolverhampton. Chelsea at home to Newcastle United. Some primetime soccer, ninth minute. David Luiz over the top to Pedro, settles it with the right foot and then in one motion volleys it with the left. What a play by Pedro, 1-0. Chelsea in front, second half now tied at one. It's Willie and this time creates his own space and then the quality finish. Chelsea take it 2-1, they remain fourth. A point back of Tottenham, Spurs host Man United tomorrow at Wembley. And London Derby here, West Ham and Arsenal. Gunners in fifth, just three points up on hard-charging Man United. West Ham, though, got the only goal of the match from 19-year-old Declan Rice. West Ham move up to ninth in the standings. Second loss in three Premier League matches for Arsenal, who are now sixth behind fourth place Chelsea. Snow report for this Saturday, January the 12th, where not a lot of ski resorts picked up any snow, really, with a ridge of high pressure. Wizard Blackcomb, though, has a nice snow base of 274 centimeters of snow. Revelstoke picked up one centimeter of fresh powder in the past 24 hours, bringing it up to 214 centimeters of snow. Bernie has 189. It's Powder King that has 20 centimeters of fresh powder on the ground, bringing it up to 218. All right, finally tonight, if you're a fan of My Little Pony, either of you two? Big fan. I guess Big I fan. am, yeah. No, I was once. Uh, Vancouver is the place to be this weekend. Uh, the first annual Vancouver Pony Expo is celebrating ah. My Little Pony. Friendship is magic. And the legacy of the brony community in Canada. Bronies, just in case you don't know, I are grown know. men who love My Little Pony. Oh. All quite normal. I wouldn't go that far to call myself a brony. I'm going to turn you Sure into you are. Vancouver is welcoming fans to the convention at the Executive Airport Hotel in Richmond, where the fun continues through Sunday. I love seeing everybody dressed up and really getting into the show. And it's such a, um, a philosophy of friendship and cooperation and communication. And, um, yeah, it's just a great time. Yeah. 
Hello to all bronies watching tonight. My Little Pony bringing Hello. the world together, it appears. Yes, That's all about that. A term I've never heard of. <laughs> You'll learn something new. Every Thank day. You. Thank you very Thank much you. for watching. We'll be back tomorrow.